Good morning, Hillcrest, and good morning, Moose Jaw, or wherever else you're joining us from. We're glad that you could be with us this morning, and I feel very excited to be with you today. My name is Daisy Richardson. I'm part of the team here, and I have to confess that this is the first Sunday in six weeks that I'm not participating in my pajamas from my couch. Maybe some of you can relate to that. I have a couple of kids that are pretty excited about pajama TV church these days, but it's exciting to be with you, and we're just going to jump right in. We have been on a journey through a resource called The Story. And The Story has been excellent to help us understand God's big story. It takes scripture and it puts it in chronological order in a really readable way to help us understand not just the little stories that are happening along the way, but what God's big plan in all those stories is. And we're going to jump back in that. We started seven months ago and we are almost to the end now. We've walked through fascinating stories of the individuals that God has used, but the whole time we've been asking ourselves, what was God up to? What is the upper story that God wants us to understand of his plan? And we see him relentlessly pursuing his people to reconcile us to relationship with him after relationship was broken through sin. So we've been on this journey since September, and these are the final chapters. Maybe you've been following with us um, since September, if you're part of Hillcrest, and maybe right now you just want to take a moment to connect with us. This is your permission to text in church, so you can comment below and let us know what part of the story has been impacting you the most. Maybe there's a certain character, or there's a certain section that has impacted you, or if you don't want to text during church, just turn to the person that's with you in your living room or basement and have a little chat with them for a moment. I'll talk while you do that. We just passed Easter. We just celebrated Easter, which is the culmination of the story as Christ Jesus, God himself in human form, completes God's mission, giving his own life for payment for sin of all humanity and conquers death when he comes back three days later. How does it get any better than that, you might be asking. Well, actually, it does. And last week, Pastor Steve told us about the even better part is that Jesus promised his followers that he was going to send somebody to help them, a helper, an advocate, a comforter, the very Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit came to dwell in them, to guide them and comfort them. And the church is born. And we've been in the book of Acts discovering what happened next. So Jerusalem is buzzing with the news that Jesus is not dead. And followers of Jesus like Peter and Philip and James began to spread the good news of Jesus beyond even the city of Jerusalem into the surrounding areas of Judea and even Samaria, which they weren't very fond of. And in the midst of all this excitement, we meet a very unlikely character that we're going to talk about today, and his name is Paul, formerly known as Saul. We'll get back to Paul in just a moment. This last week, my son asked me if I had ever in my lifetime experienced any restrictions like the COVID-19. And I thought about it, and I said, no, I don't think I have. <gasps> Me neither, he says. He's eight. So we, this was pretty amazing. We were both going through this for the very first time ever. 
But then I did remember, and I told him a story about when I was a child. Now, this didn't go on for weeks and weeks, but I do remember a small season when I was a kid and the school closed and we were supposed to stay home to be safe because the earthquakes were so dangerous. And many of you know that I grew up in Guatemala. My parents had moved there to work with training leaders and churches. They were called missionaries. So we had this wonderful life that does seem like a different world ago, um, growing up in the volcanoes and the mountains of Guatemala. Um, we loved it. Part of that was that I really acquired a love for traveling and had a lot of chances as a young adult to travel in different parts of the world and explore and always sort of had this ongoing conversation with God in those years of what is this? Like, do I just love traveling because I grew up in the developing world and felt very comfortable in that area? Or or did you put something in my heart that's more than that? But I I always kind of thought, well, but somebody who is called to go on a mission, like they have a specific country in mind or a specific people group that their heart is just passionate about. And I didn't feel that way. And so I was just about to settle into the, well, I think I just want to travel idea. And then I remember in my early 20s having this amazing encounter with God during a a worship and prayer time. And I didn't hear an audible voice, but in my heart, he spoke to me and he said, it's not just about the travel. Stick with me. There's that's part of the plan, but stick with me and I'll, I'll take you places. And in the months after that, I remember him just unpacking that in my heart and giving me new language that I hadn't thought about before. And he kind of let me in on the fact that he had placed in me a heart for the nations, not just one nation. That had always been the confusing part to me, but he had put a a heart in me for all the nations. And uh, I'm telling you this because this is one of the reasons why I am thrilled to get to be the one who tells you about the Apostle Paul. Because in this season, in Acts, is when the message of Jesus and the gospel explodes from local to global to the whole Roman Empire at the time, where they are told to go to all the nations. So I'm pretty excited. that Actually, I think I, I, think I picked this one. I don't think it was random. But let's talk about Paul. Who was Paul? Well, last week, Pastor Steve mentioned this unlikely character um, and that he had had a name change. He was known as Saul originally. He was very well-respected, a high-pedigree Jewish religious leader. And he was in the midst of persecuting the followers of Jesus when he himself had a life-changing encounter with the risen Jesus. Now, you need to understand here that Jesus was no longer living in Jerusalem. He had risen from the dead, been with his believer, with his followers, and then he had gone back to heaven. This is after that. And he appeared to Paul. And that's another whole story you can read. Um, but Acts 9 is where you find it. And this, the chapter starts like this. Breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. This is describing Paul. And by the end of it, he's preaching passionately that Jesus is the Son of God. So here's Paul, a hater of the followers of Jesus, killing them, imprisoning them. He is the most unlikely character that they could probably think of for God to choose for this job to spread the good news about Jesus. He's as unlikely for this job as Abraham and Sarah were unlikely characters to have children and and start a great nation. And we see this again and again played out in God's story. God picks unlikely characters so that in the end, the glory goes to him and not to the character that he uses to accomplish his plan. 
that something could give us all hope. So here's this unlikely character. If you want to, if you're into maps and you like that kind of thing, and I actually do like maps, but we're not going to get bogged down there today. In the back of the story, there's a map that'll show you the ancient world that Paul was traveling in, and, or you can look it up in the back of your own Bible, or you can just Google it, Paul's travels, you'll find it there. But instead of dwelling on those details, let's ask ourselves, what was God up to? That's the upper story. Something unique had started to happen in the book of Acts, just as Paul was coming on the scene. So up until this point, the disciples, who are now called the apostles, and what set them apart was that they had physically traveled with Jesus. They had been taught directly by him. That's the group of men we're talking about. They had received the power of the Holy Spirit and had received power to go into all the world and tell them about Jesus. And the church was birthed. The church was birthed as God's number one plan to go tell the world the good news that he had reconciled them to himself through Jesus Christ. That broken relationship could be restored through Jesus. But here we see for the first two or three years after Jesus has sent out his um, disciples and they're now the apostles, they've been focused mostly on telling the Jewish community that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah and their Savior. And so about four or five years after Jesus rose from the dead and returned to heaven, a shift started to happen. Peter was given a vision about reaching out to the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles were the non-Jewish outsiders. They were reminded that the message of salvation through Jesus was not limited to the Jewish people. And Gentiles began to hear and follow Jesus and be filled with the Holy Spirit, much to the shock and amazement of the Jewish believers. Now, if you've been following the story, you'll remember that way back at the beginning, God told Abraham that he was going to bless him so that he could be a blessing, that all nations would be blessed through him. This was it. God's plan from the beginning was now starting to happen. So Paul is taken under the wing of another Christian leader named Barnabas and who helps convince the other leaders that Paul's transformation was actually genuine. And you can see how they might be a little bit suspicious. Last week he was imprisoning people and killing them and this week he wants to go and preach that Jesus is the Son of God. So Paul and Barnabas partner together and there's this really great scene where they're set apart by the Holy Spirit to be sent off with the good news. And Pastor Steve alluded to it last week. He said when they were choosing a replacement for Judas among, amongst the disciples, they cast lots, which was kind of like rolling dice and trusting God would, would control the outcome. But it was the last time he mentioned that they ever did that because the Holy Spirit came. So here is the newly birthed church guided by the Holy Spirit, the very Spirit of God living in them. And the Spirit uh, recognizes Paul and Barnabas as the ones that they should be sending out. In Acts 13, 47, um, Paul describes it this way. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth, to infinity and beyond. If you have little kids, you'll remember that one. That's where they were being sent. And miracles continue to happen. They've been happening in the early church already in the marketplace out in public, but now it's happening with Paul and Barnabas as they travel. And you read about it in Acts. Acts is an amazing book. Like just to read through it, it is jam-packed with action. And especially when it gets to Paul's journeys. So real everyday people 
are starting to be radically transformed by the power of God. A layman walks. A female slave fortune teller who is tormented by evil spirits is delivered. Signs and wonders draw attention. Now they draw good attention and they draw opposition as well. So some their attention is grabbed and they start to follow Jesus because they hear this message of life and hope and others take notice but start to further persecute the church. In fact, um, when you're talking about the action of Acts, the persecution of Paul, the things he goes through in his journeys are crazy. They're amazing. Like, talk about an action-packed film if you were to make one. And in 2 Corinthians 11, um, he kind of tongue-in-cheek starts listing off these things. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again, five times received the Jewish 40 lashes minus one, three times beaten with rods, once pelted with stones. I think that means like stoned. Shipwrecked three times. I think there was a snake bite involved with that. I spent a day and a night out in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, from bandits, from my fellow Jews, from Gentiles, in the city, in the country, in danger, at sea. Sounds a little bit like Dr. Seuss. I've been in danger here and there. I've been in danger everywhere, he was telling them. I have labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst. I have been cold and naked. And on top of all that, I have faced the daily pressure of my concern for all the churches. The crazy trouble that Paul experiences, and yet Paul considers trouble an opportunity to trust God. So as Paul travels, his mission is to find key people in each city who would lead a new community of believers, the church, and to help that group help those in need through deeds of mercy and love. So this is what happens. He raises up leaders in new areas, and, and the church grows all over regions that it had never been in before. In fact, Paul plants 10 churches in this way, and others are planted as well that he, that he teaches and encourages. So he spends a lot of his time teaching, encouraging leaders in the groups, and a lot of that is done through the letters that he writes, some of which are even written while he's in prison. We have 13 of those letters included in the New Testament. Sometimes they're called epistles, they're letters, and each one is named for the people or the area that Paul was writing to. So we have Galatians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, Colossians, Philemon, Philippians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and Titus. And in these letters we see not only Paul's great heart for the gospel, but also his heart for people. Again and again, he writes how much he longs to be with them in person and how much he desires to see them, understanding um, the grace of God, the gifts of God, and doing well. And by his story, all those things he endured, we know how much he was willing to suffer to take the good news to them. I love, there's a verse in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, and this one moves my heart every time I read it. He writes to the people in Thessalonica, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Delighted. Let's share our lives. Let's share the gospel. That was what he was telling them. His heart for people really comes out. I don't always think about that when I think about Paul. There's lots of interesting facts about him, all the locations that he traveled, trying to think about how we got to each place, all the different means of transportation, and where are those countries now? What is the real-life um, places that he visited? All those things. Very interesting. You can look all that up and find it out quite easily. But none of that 
really matters if we don't understand this. What was the message that Paul was willing to put his life on the line for, to, ex to travel extensively, be beaten, shipwrecked, imprisoned, stoned? What was this message? And that's what I want to take some time to tell you about right now. So Paul, whether he was standing in the synagogue or in the public square, he spoke about what he knew. He spoke about Jesus who died and rose again and is the key to peace with God. Only Jesus fills the God-shaped vacuum in every heart. God's righteousness is given to those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. Paul proclaimed that people can't be saved by performing good works in general or by adhering to the law of Moses in particular. That was quite a shock to the Jewish community. We must come to God trusting in Jesus alone. This was his message. Only then will we experience freedom. Essentially, Paul's message is echoing what Jesus taught in Matthew 22. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? His answer was, it's this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second one that comes right after is love your neighbor as yourself. We could sum up Paul's message with those two things as well. Love the Lord your God as revealed in Jesus Christ who came and lived a perfect life, suffered and died on the cross and was raised from the dead by the power of God. And love your neighbor, even those who are unlike you, the Gentiles in their case, the outsiders. They're also included in God's plan of redemption. One of Paul's letters that to me is, has been so impacting is his letter to the church in Rome. Now it's very interesting when you read Romans to know that he hasn't met them yet. He's trying to get there. Um, and they're mostly Gentiles that are there. I'm very curious about that whole part of the story. If you're following along, along in the story, um, on pages 432 to 36, there's this amazing mashup where they take the text of Romans chapters 1 through 12 and put them together. And we're not going to put up all the references on the screen for, for you right now, but I would just like to speak Paul's words to you. Did you know that in 2020, um, 2020 has been declared the year of the Bible? This happened last year. Last fall, many churches and organizations around the world had already committed to emphasize the public reading of scripture this year. I think that's amazing. And now more than ever, we need to soak our minds in God's word. There's so many competing voices out there, things that we could be overwhelmed with or consumed by, um, things that could cause fear and anxiety. So I would suggest this. As I read this to you, let, just let the truth of God's word, the truth of salvation and hope and freedom in Christ sink deep into your heart and mind. Here we go. To all who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to bring the salvation to everyone who believes. First for the Jew, that's the insider, then for the Gentile, the outsider. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, 
There's no difference between Jew and Gentile, insider or outsider, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement, as a payment for sin through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Therefore, because of this, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope and the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved through his life? For just as through the disobedience of one man, Adam, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you'll live in fear again. No, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we call Abba Father, that intimate term for Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all... How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who can condemn? No one. Christ Jesus died more than that. He was raised to life, and he is at the hand of God, the right hand of God, and is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble? or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced 
that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that's a message worth suffering for. That's a message worth dying for. That was Paul's message. The chapter in the story is called Paul's Mission, but it also could be called our mission or the church's mission, not just Hillcrest Church, but the global church. Our mission to the ends of the earth, to infinity and beyond, is to boldly bring the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ to the world with hearts that overflow with love and compassion for people. I told you about my own journey of discovering that my heart was for the nations of the world, not just one. And maybe you were thinking, well, that's not me. I don't even think I have a heart for my own nation or maybe not even for my own neighbor. Ask God to challenge your heart with the implications of the good news of Jesus. What does that mean? If it's good news for you and it's good news for me, why wouldn't it be good news for my family, for my coworkers, for my neighbor? Right now, because we can't gather in groups, you might be feeling very isolated, or on the other hand, you might be feeling very independent and very self-sufficient. Did you know that you can't be an individual Christian or an independent follower of Jesus? It's an oxymoron. It's not really possible. Paul describes the church as the body of Christ in all its glorious complexity, full of diverse parts and roles, but one body. Some of the good news also is that if you are a follower of Jesus and you're part of the body of Christ, the church, you're not alone. You are part of a global church, a global movement, whether we can gather together or not. If you're a follower of Jesus, God's Holy Spirit lives in you. That same Holy Spirit that came in Acts, the day of Pentecost, lives in you. And if God's Spirit lives in you, his very Spirit will compel you towards others because that's where he wants to be. That same Holy Spirit that we heard about is the same Holy Spirit in you and in me if we're followers of Jesus. Earlier this month or a few weeks back, I had um, the privilege to FaceTime with most of our international partners in mission from Hillcrest and to see how they're doing and to pray with them. It was great. Um, and I got to chat with people like Barrett and Brid Bridget out in BC doing sports ministry and Lisa um, in Thailand who's hunkered down in BC. Hi, Lisa. She said she'd be in the middle section of the um, online church today. I'm always thrilled to hear um, from ones like Lisa or Ron and Sherry in El Salvador or David in Taiwan and even others that we can't name. Always thrilled to hear what God is doing in their lives and through them and in the countries that they're in, how he's drawing lost people to himself. Hilkes has a long history, almost 100 years, in fact, of sending people out all over the world, um, some who've even given their entire lives uh, to reach people in another culture with the message of Jesus. We also have amazing local partners, Joe's Place Youth Center here in town and Kettleston Camp, not that far away. We have partners like this because our mission at Hillcrest says this, we strive to see all people reconciled to God and mature in Christ. That means people like us and people very much unlike us. So here's the catch. All people doesn't just mean people over there, out there, across the globe. 
All people means right here, wherever I am, those who are like me and those who are very much unlike me, all people. Paul writes this in Romans 10, verse 14. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And in verse 17, it says, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. So who do you know that hasn't heard yet? Maybe you're hearing today for the first time. You don't have to cross the globe to join in on God's mission. Some of you will, or some of you already have. Maybe you're there right now. But many will be called to be on mission in our own city, in our own neighborhoods. What does that look like? I want to tell a story from Acts 13 a story about Paul and Barnabas as we um, think about how we might respond or how we would wrap up today. And it comes from Acts 13. This is the story. Some of you may have read it this week. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, that's where they were teaching, the people invited them to speak further about the things on the next Sabbath. And in some translation, it says the people were eager to hear more. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles, to the outsiders, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. Here's the verse we read earlier. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. What will you do with the message that Paul spent his life declaring, that we read about in all those letters in the New Testament? What will you do with the message of Jesus? Let me ask you, maybe you're watching today and you actually aren't a follower of Jesus. What will you do with the message of Jesus? Jesus is amazing, but it's not enough to be amazed by Jesus. It's not enough to think his teaching is amazing or to think that even he was a good person. We actually have to take action. We have to choose to follow him, to accept that free gift of grace and salvation that Paul writes about through Jesus. In Romans 10, 9, this is Paul writing again. He writes this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No magic words, but speaking it out with your mouth and believing in your heart and accepting that gift of salvation. There aren't magic words, but you might pray something like this. Father, thank you that you love me and you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Help me to live a life that honors you 
by the power of that Holy Spirit we heard about today. Amen. We could pray that prayer at any point in our journey, but maybe for you, today will be the first time that you take a step in that direction. If you're already a follower of Jesus, this is my question for you. What is God stirring in you in this season? What is he up to? Something new? Maybe it looks a little different. Maybe it's a simple new love for people. There's something um, that comes up several times in the book of Acts that has really gripped my heart. We read several times about somebody who has an encounter with the message of Jesus that it results in a transformation and their entire household comes to be saved. That's been on my heart to pray this year that entire households, entire families would come to know the freedom that Jesus brings. Let's keep the discussion going on this question. You can comment below or you can message us, email us, or talk about it with somebody that you're actually physically in the room with. What is God stirring in you in this season? We believe he's speaking to his people through his word, through his spirit, and that we should be ready to hear and act. We're called to be part of his mission until we breathe our last breath. There is no retirement in God's mission. And his mission requires all hands on deck. Here's two things you can be thinking about in this season. And maybe you already know that it's happening, or maybe you want to make this part of your prayer to ask him to do this for you. The first is cultivating a heart for the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Soak yourself in it. Read it. Listen to it. Talk about it. Maybe you have extra reading time on your hands right now. We're not physically giving out copies of the story, but you can find it online. You can find the audiobook for free from the library. Um, you can read whichever translation of the Bible you have. Start in the Gospels. Read the story of Jesus and soak in it. Think about it. Talk about it. And secondly, if it isn't already happening, ask God to cultivate in you a heart for people. Pray for people who need Jesus. Maybe it's your family or your friends or your coworkers or classmates or neighbors. Reach out in love and practical ways. We can speak hope. I think that's a big job for us as the church right now is to speak hope, and our hope is found in Jesus. So let me challenge you. In this season, when things look different than they usually do, don't become so inwardly focused that you miss the opportunity to be part of his mission in the world. Whatever that looks like, it might look very different than any of us expected but every crisis brings an opportunity. You could pray simple prayers like, who can I reach out to today? Who can I encourage today? Who would you like me to pray for today? What would you like me to ask you in prayer? We practice listening prayer, asking God questions and listening for his response. His response might come to you by reading his word. It might come as a thought. It might come as a picture. It might come through words in a conversation you have later in the day. As we close, I want to pray over you, over us as Hillcrest Church and as the church. I'd like to pray some of the things that come out of that last story of Paul and Barnabas, things that they saw that were happening. So would you pray this with me? Lord, we're so thankful for your presence in our lives. We are so thankful for your living spirit in us that guides us and comforts us and challenges us. Lord, we're thankful that wherever we are, you are here with us. 
And just like Paul and Barnabas saw people begging to hear more, eager to hear more of your word, Lord, I pray that, that we will experience people yearning to hear more of your word in our own, in our own lives and families and in those around us. And I pray that we would continue on in your grace, that our city and that our entire region would be affected by the good news of Jesus, that we would be unlikely characters who take part in your plan and get to be part of your mission. Lord, I pray that we would speak boldly and that salvation through Jesus Christ would spread to the farthest corners of our community, of our region, of our country, and of the world. And if you're a follower of Jesus, would you just put your hands this morning, would you just put them out in front of you, and would you be brave enough to pray this prayer with me? Lord, I'm willing to be Jesus to this city and around the world. Use me in ways however you like. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Hey, we're so glad you joined us today. We hope you stay connected with us online on our website, Facebook, and YouTube throughout the week. If you want prayer right now, we have prayer teams standing by ready to pray with you. Call in or send us an email. If you're new, check out our website to learn more about us, but also go to hillcrestmj.com slash connect card and fill out that card. We'd love to get to know you. Most importantly, if you decided to become a follower of Jesus today, firstly, we are so excited for you, but secondly, would you tell someone, whether that be someone close to you, someone at the church, or even call into our prayer teams right now. This is the most important decision you'll make in your lifetime, and we want to celebrate with you and help you navigate those next steps. Again, thanks for joining us. Stay connected with us online and we'll see you next week.